0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Sports Fixins podcast. I am Michael Dion. With me, as always, is Justin Minkley via the Skype. The Skype. Hello, Mr. Minkley. How are you?
1: Hello, Mr. Dion. I am well. I'm surviving out here in the snow and the cold.
0: Yes. Um. How is it in Siberia? It's
1: very cold and white. It's white because there's lots of snow on the ground. <laughs> so. Uh, I haven't really seen my neighbors when I have. They're in their cars cold or they're shoveling. <laughs> yeah, th- that's the state of the.
0: You said, I haven't seen my neighbors, and I was like, um... <laughs> I was like, is this a gulag joke, or is Mickley's neighbors all dead? What? I, was like, I didn't know where the heck you were going with that.
1: Funny thing is, I've only seen a handful of them, so I'm actually wondering if, like, some are
0: still alive. <laughs> some of them are fucking in a gulag. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say gulag. I meant to, I meant to say Amazon Warehouse. Warehouse? Um, Jeez, man. So, on today's show, the NHL, um, well, let's say the Devils have a little problem. Yeah, and it ain't just the devil is either. My just God, just a small problem. Just a small problem. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that first. Um, uh, we'll also get to the NBA. Some fun NBA stuff happening. Um, the Nets because it, it, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked to you because I had some personal matters last week. Yeah, the Nets are actually as good with James Harden as they were without him. And I will give you a stat that will surprise absolutely none of you. Or at least (laughs) I don't think it will. If it's the stat I'm thinking of, yeah, it doesn't surprise anyone. Um, And the Bulls are actually not looking that bad. Like, they're they're really not. And Zach Levine is really, really good at basketball. And he should be a damn all-star already. But I will talk about that, too. Um, And then also... We will have the big game. I can't say what the big game is because apparently Roger Goodell thinks he works for Disney and can just sue everybody. So we can't say what the name of the big game is for some dumb reason, even though you would think that would promote your game if everybody knew what the name was and they already know what it is. So what's the point of suing you stupid redhead? Almost said a bad word. Um, yeah. I didn't know like he was suing people. Yeah, like if you watch like, the FanDuel commercial where the guy goes, I can't say the name because the NFL sue me, he's not lying. That's weird. Uh, I know. Um, and then also, I have one baseball note for you. Um, the White Sox are not going to re-sign Galax A, and I'm very angry. Um, the Cubs are making a desperate attempt to extend the horrible, horrible
2: window. Yeah, a window that doesn't really exist at this point. Right. So,
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the window that doesn't really exist and, like, you know... Well, not that it doesn't exist, but, like, they can't win a World Series. They can maybe make the playoffs next year. Mm -hmm. But they're trying to extend that window, and I don't think they should because I think they need to be getting ready for it to be done. Pitching-wise they decided that the window was done. But hitting-wise, they didn't, and I don't know why. So we'll talk about that. And then, um, not much White Sox talk. Liam Hendricks is there, but that's whatever. No um, column A, and I'll get mad about that. And then the other big thing I wanted to get to in baseball is the Rockies did something insanely stupid. Yeah, if it's what I think it is. And I we'll saw talk that. about that, too. But first, first... Um, let's get to uh, COVID Central. Oh, I'm sorry. That would, that's the NHL.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're having a crisis on our hands with the NHL right now. And this is going to really test what the NHL is going to do in terms of schedules, playoffs, and let's face it, saving the season. So I'm going to start off with last Saturday because this is where it begins. So last Saturday, the NHL Network televised the New New Jersey Devils and Buffalo Sabres game. Great game, by the way. Uh, The Devils wound up winning in OT, I believe, by the score of 4-3, to if anyone cared to know. Um, It's what happens after that is the problem. And that would be that the Devils had double-digit players testing for COVID. And you had at least 10 guys originally who wound up on the list around 10 to 15. Well, it was 14. Mackenzie Blackwood wound up getting off the list. So that's their starting goalie. He's not good, but hey, good for him. Um, unfortunately, two of the other goalies are sick. That's Scott Ledgewood and Aaron Dell. And now we're at 17, heading into February 4th. That would be today for anyone interested. And they have two to three days to get off the COVID list. Uh, that over dozen and a half players. So those dozen and a half includes number one overall pick of last year, Jack Hughes, Pavel Zaka, <laughs> Travis Zajac, Kyle Palmieri, uh, Nikita, no, not Nikita Gusev, um, Sami Vatnin <coughs> and Aaron Dell, and the two goalies I mentioned, Wedgwood and Dell. At least. Uh, you have a handful of coaches and that have tested positive. And then it goes to the Buffalo side, where the, bu- the Sabres were actually supposed to play on NBCSN against the New York Islanders uh, Tuesday. And that didn't work because they were in contact with the Devils during that game that Saturday. Uh, the head coach of the Sabres has COVID. And so do a number of other players and coaches on that staff. And last but not least, Michael. After everything, there was the Tuesday night game between the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche, and it came out that the Wild have COVID after. Now, this came out, surprisingly, after we found out during pregame that there was a player who actually had COVID, who, but he is in hospice care right now. Going back to Switzerland, that's Marco Rossi, and Marco Rossi's a center. Why is that important? Because other centers, like Joel Erickson-Ack, Nick Badino, Victor Rask, Nick Bukestad, and at least multiple other players that include Marcus Foligno, Jordan Green, or not Jordan Green, <laughs> Jared Spurgeon, <laughs> Jonas Brodeen, Yeah they were all in contact with him. And that may, may means that the opponent that they played, the Colorado avalanche, may have to quarantine as well. So Mike, we have until at least the seventh to ninth for at least three of these teams. I don't think they're going to be playing next week or unless it's next Friday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the New Jersey devils have 17 people in now three are for travel reasons. Um, but even still, they have 17 people on the COVID list that cannot play. And they came out yesterday and said, All right, guys, unfortunately, I'm sorry, we're going to have to suspend our season. We're, we're, we're going to suspend our season till Sunday. You're going to what? 17 people have COVID. Sunday? What? How about the end of the month? How about you get the damn COVID out first? Yeah I,
1: I I would say like uh let's get the COVID out first before we talk about playing again.
0: <laughs> you have seventeen people with Rona. What the hell do you mean? You're gonna play in three days? What is wrong with you? It, see here's the thing. And I work at a TV station. Um and I work in production. So I see all the time, we, we always do stories of the idiots outside the Michigan State Capitol. Uh, I'll, I'll let my kid play sports. I don't care if he gets sick and it damages his lungs. I want my kid to play sports because I was bad at sports when I was in high school. And I want to live through my kid because I'm a shit parent who doesn't know how to do his job. Mwah. Like, you know, those idiots. Yeah. So I see all those stupid people all the time. What? What? What do you mean three days? You know what? I think Mister Bettman, or, or well, maybe it's not. oh yeah, I think the league should do something, but uh, maybe the Devils' owners can go go to Lansing and get on the uh, front lawn of the state capital and complain about why the players can't play, and well. But the players need to play for the life experience and lessons you learn playing sports. Yeah, like lessons, like my parent doesn't actually care about me because they want me to die of COVID. Or how about the lesson of how grandma died? (laughs) Yeah, I...
2: How did grandma die, mom?
0: Well, you see, we made your big brother go play football because we're incompetent assholes. So we went and visited grandma. She got COVID and got Thanos snapped off the earth. So yeah, so so maybe the devils can can go with the grandma Thanos snappers that live in Michigan and all other parts of this godforsaken country. The idiots. Uh, governor Pritzker's is a horrible Illinois governor. He only wants to save my life. Dumbasses. But yeah, maybe they can go on the uh, state capitol lawns and, and protest.
1: Yeah, because that works out so well. And no one ever gets sick from that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. Anti-COVID! Oh, There's 700 of us standing shoulder to shoulder. Ah. Uh. Covid's not a problem. Seven hundred people standing shoulder to shoulder with no masks.
2: Um, actually, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, might
0: want to check back in about a week on on that whole Covid not a problem thing. But anyway. Um, yeah, the NHL is doing a bad job of this. What I don't understand, if you're the NHL and the NBA, too, has had a little bit of COVID stuff. Hey, um, you know that bubble thing you did and that went well and that you actively decided not to because you're a bunch of greedy dicks? Um, the bubble worked the first time. It's like? It's like, say you had a clogged toilet, right? Oh, God. Let's say you had a clogged toilet. And you figured out that the solution to unclogging the toilet was to plunge the toilet, right? Yes. Well, you already have the solution to the problem. But instead of plunging the toilet to get get out the blockage, you decided to... Um, I don't know, let's see what would be a good analogy. Uh, stick your face in the bowl and try and lick it out. You caused the problem and you got shit all over your face when you didn't need to, when you already had the solution. But you just didn't want that solution because you'd rather eat shit. See, see how I got eating shit in there? Yeah, with food? yeah. <laughs> Now, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, because you'd rather eat shit. So, the bubble works, but you didn't do it. You had the solution to the problem, and you were just like, nah, we wanted to... Like you, you actively chose for it to be a problem. Why isn't
2: everyone fired? I... I, the the less the less
0: um whatever you'd call it hyperbolic thing would be if you were if you were an accountant at work and you balance the books and you balance the books and then unbalance them and then like like okay, our books are perfectly balanced actually I'm gonna add about twenty thousand dollars to this column and unbalance our books on purpose like why would you do that? You had a solution to COVID, and then you stopped. Why? Why? Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense for you to do that. That's
1: very dumb. But hey, for individual freedom is what we need during a pandemic.
0: Oh yes, I'm. I'm sorry, I forgot about <laughs> my freedoms. Um, I, I, am sorry. I, uh, I, you know, I went to the grocery store today, in Minkley, and um, I forgot. I, I'm, I'm so bad at this because, you know, you go to the section and you get the milk Um, and then like like, you go to the freezers you get the milk and then, well, I got water last week. I didn't have to get water this week. Um, And then I had to get some toilet trees. I had to get some toilet tissue and I got my Cheez-Its for the big game on Sunday and then I realized my freedoms were missing again. So I had to go buy more of my freedoms because they keep getting taken away. (laughs)
1: and <laughs> what freedoms uh, did you
0: buy <laughs> uh, well no my, my freedoms is American I had to go buy them again because that, that damn government man just came into my house and stole my freedoms <laughs> so I had to go I, I had to go buy my freedoms back again and this is like the the 20th time this pandemic that I've had to go get my freedoms again they keep getting stolen I don't like I, that. I, I don't leave them in the car there's somebody breaking into my house and stealing my freedoms I think the masks are just growing arms and legs and taking my freedoms away. The mask has become you. Well, no, no, no. The mask is against me. It's stealing my freedom. <laughs> and then I have to keep spending more money on freedom. Wow. Yeah. So I had to, I had to buy my freedoms again. Because they keep going missing. I don't know where yes. they are. Um, have, have you kept your freedoms? I have been bunkered in my house. That's different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't like Fritos as much. No, not your Fritos.
0: uh... Your freedoms.
1: But uh, yeah, my freedoms. Yeah, I'm. I'm like in the house all the time. Uh huh.
0: Okay. Has anybody? Have you caught anybody coming in and stealing your freedoms? No, not yet. Because oh, okay. What did you say?
1: Because I just shoot people. (laughs)
0: So, all right. So you do things the American way. If somebody comes and threatens your freedom, you shoot them.
1: Yeah, I think that actually helps. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, um, to to steer this back in the sports a little bit. Yes. So now we we got to ask because we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think this was when RJ was on the show here too. Yeah. Uh, bless RJ. And if so, he could be on today because he has some stuff to do, but. Um, this now goes back into kicking what we talked about with Gary Bettman, where should there have even been a season at all? No. And I I get that the advertisers and your sponsors wanted a season, but let's be honest, if you knew that there were going to be losses more than gains, then you probably shouldn't have done it to begin with. And now what we're seeing, Mike, is... If the Devils and the Sabres and the Wild and maybe the Avalanche don't play until next Friday, um, that's a lot of revenue lost. And we're talking about games that were going to be aired on either NHL Network or NBCSN. Like, something has to be thought through here.
0: Well, um, that's also a lot of players that got a deadly disease. Yeah, that. I mean, did we, uh, you know, remember that part?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, you got to throw that part in, too.
0: Yeah. I know it's not as big a deal as the money, you know, because, like, the deadly disease money, eh, eh, you know, eh, one of the same, eh, doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. All right. Um... Because we don't actually know what the disease does ten years down the line, but me, yeah, okay, we got to stop living in fear and just keep on trucking. You know, makes makes me wonder why I put on my seatbelt when I drive. I shouldn't just live in fear that I'm going to get in a car accident, right? That's correct. I, I I should just I should just drive without my seatbelt because it takes me six seconds and is slightly inconvenient. So I should just start driving. You know, I think that's a good idea. I'm going to start driving without my seatbelt. And then I, when the officer comes up to me and goes, Sir, you are not wearing your seatbelt. You are doing something illegal. I'm going to have to ask you to wear your seatbelt and stop that. I'm just going to say, well, you're taking away my freedoms.
2: That's very true. And he's just going to say, okay. You know, like we do with the masks. Um, but anyway, back on track.
1: So, yeah, I, it makes me think that the NHL, I mean, obviously, we're not even at the postseason form yet. And forget the fact that uh, there's not going to be an all-star game. Um, I, I have to start wondering, at least by middle of this month or at the end of this month, how much are we going to have? Because, and I think this is important because it was brought up this past weekend, the NHL is going to try and keep the regular season in play as much as they can, but they will be going over how many games is too much that every team has to miss until they start the postseason. And I would say the Devils right now, hilariously, are in fifth place in the Eastern Division. The Sabres are sixth, the Wild are in the top four. Um, this could mean that some teams get screwed out of a playoff position because Maybe one team didn't finish their games, and the one that gets screwed out actually played their way and is in the middle and should have had a chance to get in.
0: But again, I think, see, here's the thing, and you know how I feel about this, Minkley. If you get the COVID, I think you should forfeit your games. I've been thinking that,
1: too. So I'm actually wondering, at what point do you start Forfeiting games for these COVID teams, especially the devils in the wild.
0: Apparently, the answer is never because they just will not do it.
1: <laughs> you
0: shouldn't be laughing, but you make a great point. I, just, I don't know. I don't really get it, but for whatever reason they just refuse to do it.: Yeah,
1: um, I'm just I'm, I'm really concerned about this, so. Um,
0: anything else in hockey?
1: Nothing else that I can think of. This is the big thing.
0: All right. Um, let's talk about the MLB a little bit. So the Chicago Cubs signed Jack Peterson very recently, um, because Kyle Schwarber is gone. So his replacement is Jack Peterson. And here's my problem with the Cubs. And again, we'll get more into this as the closer. And by the way, baseball um, said that they were going to start later. But then the player said, nah, screw you. We want to start now. So (laughs) um, there's only two weeks to spring training. Um, Oh, just great. And um, as of right now, see if it's updated. your pitching rotation is a combination of these people. Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, Albert Azalea, Tyson Miller, and Braylon Marquez. Braylon Marquez will almost certainly be down, by the way. Your bullpen is a whole bunch of meh. Wilson Contreras is still a good catcher. You have Rizzo at first base. Uh, Whatever combination of Bodie and Horner and... Uh, Nico Horner, whatever, is at second. Bryant's at third, and then Bodie will play when Bryant goes out and plays the outfield. Javier Baez at short, and Horner will get some days there. Then you have Happ uh well, probably Jock in left. Happ plays center, and then Jason Hayward in right field most days. And then you'll have the Ian Happ uh, or the Jack Peterson off day, I should say, where um, Bryant will go play left field, which they don't do as much. Uh, with no Joe Madden with having David Ross there but they still do do it a good bit that roster the hitting like the hitting core the Contreras, Rizzo, Bodie, Bryant, Baez, Peterson, Happ and Hayward that lineup every day should is like is enough to get you into the playoffs or yeah. should be anyway. It should but, be, but yeah. but then you have the rotation. Kyle Hendricks is a is a really good pitcher and has been for a very long time. Who else is going to win games? I know Alec Mills threw a no hitter, but he's not as good as that one game. Like you know, he's not going to be as good through a whole season as that one game he had. Um, or as, like, the kind of quality of pitcher that can have that game. He had a really special day, and that's good. And celebrate that, but don't expect him to be, you know, like the guys that throw those kind of no-hitters is usually guys like Justin Verlander, right? Well, don't expect him to look like Verlander just because he threw a no-hitter. And then this... Nothing. Nothing should excite you about Zach Davies. As a lay, we don't know. I don't. I think at this point, him being good is not an option. He's a decent pitcher, I suppose, eventually, but not now. He's kind of bad. I don't even know who Tyson Miller is. At this point, no. And then Braylon Marquez, I'm guessing, starts the year in either Iowa or Tennessee. Um, he either starts the team with the Smokies or the Iowa Cubs. So he'll be on the spring training roster, but he's not ready yet. He's, he is their guy in their minor league system with the highest upside. Like, he is their number one prospect. Um, <clears throat> ahead of uh, uh, Brennan Davis, Miguel Amaya, and then the, uh, the, the kid from the um, south side of Chicago, Ed Howard who is going to be in fall ball this year, which, and by the way, uh, Ed Howard, if you know that name around Chicago, um, and, and like it rings half a bell, that's because he was one of the players on the Jackie Robinson West Little League team. Yes. So he's playing for Chicago team, which is cool. I wanted the Sox to pick him, but we got Garrett Crochet, so I'm okay with that. Um, but anyway, so Howard is there, but he's, he's very young. He is a long ways away. He's drafted out of high school. So you really have nothing right now except for Marquez coming out of your minor league system. Amaya is, I think he's going to start the year in either what is now single A or double A. I don't know what the Cubs, like what Jed Hoyer is doing. I think he is desperately trying to make the playoffs one more time. But then again, if you're doing that, you shouldn't have traded you Darvish. Like you traded U Darvish for next to nothing. A bunch of guys who are 17, 18 years old and just basically shots. You took a bunch of shots on international players for U Darvish, who now makes the Padres a contender with the Dodgers for that, for the conference and for the division. So you made a move that a rebuilding team would make. But I don't th- I don't know how tradable Rizzo is, or I don't think you would get enough back to make it worth it. Bryant is still here. Baez is still here. Contreras is still here. And I think he, maybe Hap moves for something. I don't know. Hayward is immovable because of his contract and his age. You got four dudes you could trade for good assets that are still here. You've traded, uh, you know, I would say five, right? Well, I mean, Hendricks, but you need one good pitcher. And Hendricks is a very smart guy. And there's other reasons to keep him around that isn't baseball or that isn't um, pitching related. Like, let's be honest. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is probably a pitching coach for the Cubs in the future. Because of just how damn smart the guy is. I don't know how good a teacher he is, but you would think, you know, like the, uh, like, um, I don't know if Greg did it ever, but his brother was a pitching coach. Might still be, now that I think about it. Um, I think Kyle Hendricks will be a pitching coach one day. So, I think he's in the Cubs organization for other reasons still. So, you got four tradable assets. That would get you a good return to start your rebuild that you are hurtling towards. And you're not doing it. And I don't really know why. Because the Darvish thing to me, like I just said, like I just alluded to. The Darvish thing to me said they were acknowledging where they were. And that rotation is like a rotation that doesn't win many games. But then the order is still enough to where you should survive. So... I think the Cubs aren't good enough in the rotation to get to 500 this year, but I think their lineup is a bit better. So the Cubs are basically going to be in hell this year.
1: Yeah, I think them losing the majority of their picture, or pitchers, not pictures, (laughs)
2: Um,
1: That is actually going to be a big part of what you said too. Like The rotation is decimated at this point. I don't know what you do.
0: And, um, also, I will say, um, leave Jack Peterson, he is an upgrade over Kyle Schwaber. But again, why are you upgrading his positions when the other half of what you do says you're rebuilding? I don't get that.
1: It's kind of like they don't
0: know what they want to do. Right. Um, other baseball news, Alex Colomay is a twin, and I am so pissed at the White Sox. Do tell. Alex Colomay has been with the White Sox for two years. Colomay, 2019, 62 games pitched, a two eighty ERA. Last year, Alex Colomay, 21 games pitched, a .8 ERA. Alex Colomay was the best closer in the American League last year. Now, Colomay's going to the Twins for $5 million and an option for the next year for five and a half. And uh, it's mutual, so if he picks up his end of the option and the Twins don't want him back, there's a buyout of 1.25. So basically, they got Colomay for one year for 6.25 if they really want to make it only one year. But it's two years for 10.5. You're really telling me Reinsdorf didn't have $5 million for this year? Seriously? Cheap ass. You signed Liam Hendricks to strengthen the bullpen.
2: And then let the strongest guy in the bullpen walk. I hate this team. <laughs> like, I know where we are.
0: We're doing the thing where it's like, oh, our payroll's too high. You know, we can't sign everybody. Even though your payroll's low because half your players are international players. And have no idea how the hell money works, apparently. Because Eloy's deal is absolutely ridiculous. But no. We can't sign Alex Colomay. We can't sign James McCann because our owner's too busy being a cheap ass. No, it's fine. We don't we don't need good players. What do we need those for? You know, we don't we don't need we don't need a bullpen. That wasn't what lost us to playoff Oh it was what lost us to playoffs last year? Huh.
2: You don't say.
0: Well how about that? The big deal though, uh, that is not the White Sox, uh, and by the way, Kopech back will be cool. The Colorado Rockies traded Nolan Arenado. Okay. Well, let's see what Arenado got traded for. He got traded Mm -hmm. to the St. Louis Cardinals. So you would think this was an incredible star-studded deal for uh, Arenado, who may have been unhappy after he signed the extension, which makes no sense. But still, this man is one of the best players in baseball. I don't care that he's playing in Colorado. He's still one of the best power-hitting third basemen in the game. So this is an incredible pickup. I can't imagine what it is the Cardinals had to give up for this. It must have been Mike Carson and Liberator and some big league talent to help the Cardinals or to help the Rockies fill out the roster. The Rockies traded Arenado and $51 million. Oh, my God. They gave the Cardinals money for like half, you know, for like half of his contract. That is absolutely unbelievable that they would do that. They must have given up something so incredible. They got back a uh, lefty starter Austin Gomber, Matteo Gill, Ellurius Montero, Tony Losey, and Jake Summers.
1: Would this you like doesn't sound to, like a fair trade to me.
0: Would you, would you like me to translate that for you, Minkley? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Please do. It translates into nothing. Wow.
1: So this is why people were pissed at the Rockies.
0: Yes. Uh, Hilarious Montero is now the number seven. And, and the Rockies do not have a very good minor league system anymore. They have all graduated. The best player in this trade is Montero, who is now the seventh Rockies prospect. Okay. Okay. So the Rockies traded and the top guy they got was the seventh best player.
2: Um Tony Lacey is fifteen on their top thirty.
0: And I don't even see Summers on here. Um and Gomber is already a big league pitcher who pitched who was good, but he pitched
2: incredibly limited this year. The Cardinals barely gave up anything.
0: Like, it's embarrassing. This trade is terrible for baseball because of how bad the market just got screwed. Because now the values are all out the window of what a guy's worth. And honestly, the money might be messed up too.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
0: Um, money's been messed up for a long time. Well, I know the money's been too high, but I mean, like, as far as like it paying guys three hundred million, if if it's worth fifty, and I just I just worry about this being weird for baseball. Um, oh, Mateo Gill was their twenty third, the Cardinals' twenty third prospect in twenty nineteen. Um, Montero was their fourth, but even then, uh, five hundred. Uh, sorry, three hundred thousand dollars signing bonus in twenty fourteen. He is twenty three years old right now. His best stat is a on the scouting grades is a fifty five hit and power, so slightly above average bat and a good arm, but that's it. Um. So yeah, they they got nothing in return. If you go look at uh, CBS Sports. The Rockies get an F, (laughs) and um, that's fitting. And I'll read you this. This is from I want to give credit to that. This is from R.J. Anderson. Rockies, great F. It's hard to spin this one as a positive for the Rockies. They're spending more than fifty million, regardless of where Arenado is in twenty twenty two, without receiving a legitimate headliner in return. And they're doing all of that because British, their GM, was adamant that Arenado's contract included an opt-out clause after 2021. Woof. The best-case scenario is that the Rockies find a way to use their savings, nearly 150 mil, to lock in Trevor Story beyond this year. The belief in the industry is that Story is unlikely hanging around. Why would he? He's a month away from hitting the open market, he had a front-row seat for the Arenado implosion, and if the Rockies were winning or had a real chance of winning anytime soon— Maybe Trevor Story could be convinced. Otherwise, why bother? The return is, as for the return itself, the article continues, it's not great. Gomber is a well-constructed Southpaw 65220 who has uh, heretofore, heretofore, that's an interesting word, heretofore split his big league career between starting 15 times and relieving 28 times. Last season, he amounts He amassed a 1.86 ERA in 29 innings, so his strikeout-to-walk ratio was a frightful 1.8. If you're a starter with a 1.8 strikeout-to-walk ratio, you're not going to be starting for long. That's my uh, little ad-lib there. Back to the article. Gomber uses a vertical arm action to achieve a high three-quarters release point that is one of the steepest in the league. The Rockies probably envision Gomber as the number four starter. There's a decent chance he ends up in their bullpen long term because of his health or performance. He's thrown more than 160 innings once in his pro career, if that includes minors and majors. Uh, Back to the article. And he missed time in 2019 because of shoulder and bicep issues. As for the actual stuff, Gomber's arsenal is a low 90s heater, a curveball, and a slider. It's unclear if the curve will retain its effectiveness at higher altitude. Montero played a double A, had a 5.52 OPS, which is terrible, and a 31% strikeout rate, which is terrible. Montero will have to find a way to make more consistent contact, work deeper counts, and tap into his raw power more frequently because he's no sure thing to lo- remain at the corner for the long haul. Mateo Gill is the son of Benji Gill, and he's appeared in just two games above rookie ball since 2018. The progress of his bat will dictate whether he's just a spare infielder. Losey, who's another guy that traded for a starter frame, three, two 239, but not a starter's control. He walked more than 13% of batters he faced between college and Myers in 2019. If the Rockies can't help Losey throw more strikes or develop a third pitch, he could become an effective reliever behind a powerful fastball slider combination. That's the end of the article there. Um... And that's, and again, the last guy, that's the best-case scenario. He's not a very high prospect.
2: They got nothing for Arenado. Nothing. Nothing. Unreal.
0: I mean, I get why fans are mad at this trade. And sometimes it's like, well, you need to look... No. I totally agree with the people that are like, fire your GM. I know a guy that's a Rockies fan... And uh, his Discord profile is a thing that says uh, Fire the GM and uh, uh, Fire Burdich. And then his, like on Discord, you can have a little headline thing, like uh, by your name underneath. And his picture is Fire Burdich, and his, the thing below is, um, the, is the owner's name. I forget what it is. And then it says Sell the Team.
2: So Rocky's fans are mad. By just a little, I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. Because
1: this team was supposed to compete pretty hard Mm -hmm. this year, wasn't it?
0: The Rockies should have been good the last couple years, really. But
2: they haven't been able to do anything. At all. I wonder why that's the case.
0: Um... Honestly, probably... Well, it's a combo of underperformance and playing in Colorado. Because playing a mile in the air half your games is not good.
2: And it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. That that just doesn't work. It's one of them sad but true things. I mean, how many teams have we seen
1: in our lifetime, like, they're supposed to be good with a bunch of things, but they just don't wind up being good or anywhere close to it?
0: Oh, well, plenty. But Colorado, it's just a stadium problem that if they want to win, they need to get out of Colorado. Yeah. Or at least out of Denver. Because they can't, because they can't get pitchers. That's a shame. They, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, and they've had, they've had some good pitchers come through that system. It's just they can't, they can't finish them off because they get blown up every time they start at home. The only guy that has ever been, like, very good at that, up there, it was a couple years of Ubaldo Jimenez. And then he went to Baltimore and was terrible. So, other than Ubaldo flashing the pan, it really had nothing good, pitching-wise. Um, that's, uh, that's it for baseball notes. Um, well, Meekly, let's move on to the NBA. And I promised you a stat, did I not?
1: Yes, you did. I would love to hear this stat, by the way.
0: All right, I promised you a stat. Um, since the James Harden trade, who do you think has the best offense in basketball? uh that would
1: be the nets
0: (laughs) right you would think you know like this um this would be the case they got a really talented player um also who do you think is the worst defensive team in basketball since the james harden trade
1: i'm gonna say the nets
0: (laughs) yep to the surprise of not me The Nets haven't been able to defend anything at all. At all. At this point, in the toll of the regular season, the Nets are giving up 117 points a game. That is the third most in basketball. Um, On the other side of things, they're scoring 122 points a game which is the most in basketball. Here's the problem with that to me, and this is why I said they're not going to win the East, and I think they got worse. Yep. What happens in the playoffs?
1: They the games, are going to be exhausted.
0: Well, I'm not even saying that, but I mean, in, even in the modern NBA, what usually happens in playoff games? The scores come down because the defense gets ramped up, right? Yep. So, you've got, like, a Milwaukee who's got Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis. A Boston who can play good team defense when they want to. And, honestly, Indy's not a terrible, not a completely terrible defensive team. And I'm not saying defense, like, you can only play defense and win the finals. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, They're only offense and no defense. And look at the small ball Rockets last year who tried that, and I desperately wanted that to not work because that would have been it for the center in basketball. So uh, more than it already is. So that, that being what it is, I was so glad that didn't work. Not that I had anything wrong with the ro- Rockets, but just the symbolism of what they were doing is what I had a problem with. Yeah. And this is the same way for the Nets. I I not only think the Nets will win, I hope they don't. Because I, I want there to be a place for guys who can play defense in basketball. And I think there should be. And I think this gets the Nets further away from winning a title, as weird as that sounds.
1: So here's something that I'm going to point out. I mean, like, I don't think the Nets are going to do well in the playoffs at all. And I think the fact that uh, what you said, I mean, this is when, when you have series games, you're supposed to be really good on defense and clamp down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is why, to me, I think a team like Philadelphia is probably the best team in the East right now because they have the offense to put the numbers up, but they also play pretty well on defense, even against really, really good at the top teams. So I really see the teams that also that put the offense up but also play a good amount of defense. I mean, we kind of saw that with the Bucks last night against the Pacers. And the Pacers are a playoff-quality team. They may not have a star, but the Pacers are pretty good on defense. And I just I don't know where this puts the Nets. And to me, the main thing that I'm thinking about with the Nets is is kind of what I said. I mean, when you're putting that many points up, and remember, you're they're playing ISO ball. So mm-hmm. everyone is playing ISO, ISO, ISO all the damn time. And when you're putting up at least an average of 140 a night or 130 a night, you're going to get pretty damn tired in a series, especially if it's every other night that you got to play. So I look at the Nets and I think to myself, I don't think this team's getting past the second round. I mean, they'll probably get to the second round because of some weak-ass opponent that they're yeah, Yeah,
0: because they'll, they'll be the yeah. second or third seed and they'll get a bad team and they'll beat a bad team. But then when they play a real team, mm-hmm. they'll be in trouble. No, that,
1: that's very true. So if I actually, for example if they have to play a team like, let's say Miami decides to kick it up in a high gear, that's, that's a big if, but let's say Miami kicks it up in a high gear, and they wind up being the seventh or sixth seed and the Nets are like the third or second. Um, that would I think be a problem. Miami, yeah, Miami is going to win that series because A, they got, first off, they got the better coaching. That's a big part of it. Yeah. But they have enough of the roster to actually put the offense up and they got the defense to clamp down in a series. So if I'm the Nets, um, the the big thing with them was they signed Iman Shumpert in the last week. I think that's good for them to get some extra defense. It adds an extra player, so they won't be as gassed as much. Remember, they the Nets were playing with, what, seven or eight guys on the bench. You need at least nine or ten to, to show out. And I don't... I don't... I, I think that problem of having no depth, where it's like you only have seven guys on the team, that's going to be a bigger issue.
0: And it's than, okay but, that you can run eight guys in the playoffs, but you need guys to take minutes away from before
2: then. hmm Yeah. No, that's very true. And
1: I just... I don't really see it uh, working out to the Nets' advantage. I mean... What happens? I mean, because Kyrie's had at least an injury within the past five years. And he's nuts. Well, take the nuts part out. I'm looking at the actual physical health. KD was supposed to be resting in, in some of these games throughout the season. And then he, what? Is he going to you know, post up when he only has two or three other teammates who can put the numbers up? Mm-hmm. J- I mean, and, and then comes the question of what everyone's been asking. Who the hell takes the final shot? Who the hell actually Durant.
2: decides?
0: That's an easy question. Well, but but you've had, um, I mean the guys like... going get to, the Eagles are going to get bruised, which is going to be the problem there. But the final shot goes to Durant.
1: I mean, you make a really good point, but James Harden's been so used to running the defense a two minute offense for so yeah. long. It's like, well, does he pass it to Durant?
2: Does he decide to screw it and take the three himself? What does he do? So, I, this is just going to be a mess by the time the playoffs come. They are second in the East right now, but I don't think that holds up when we get to the playoffs.
0: Speaking of not holding up, the uh, Bulls are 8-12, fourth in the division, um, lost to a big night from Julius Randle last night. But other than that, the Bulls really haven't been that bad.
1: No, they haven't. And remember what I said when we did basketball picks. If they make it out uh, in January around sub-500 or around the 500 mark, there's going to be a team that you're going to want to keep your eye on and I know they're eight and twelve, they split with the Knicks. Uh the Knicks are a much better team than a lot of people. Hey, think. Knicks, by the way, have the fewest points allowed in basketball. Yeah. And one hell of a defensive rating, too. Mm-hmm. So um it's gonna be fun to see where the Bulls wind up. I think them and the Knicks have the same issue where it's like you got three or four really good teams in that division, or at least two. And uh, they're going to have to scrape and claw for everything. But I don't think it's impossible for the Bulls because of the guys that they have and the coach that they have.
0: My only thing is Bulls allow um, the Nets, uh, they allow just fewer points than the Nets, and they don't score as much. So my problem is they have too bad a defense right now. I hope that changes, and it's we've seen it change a little. But they have been facing a lower quality of opponent. But I point to the defense changing a little because they only gave up 101 to the Lakers. They've been giving up more like 120 a night before that. So if the defense gets better, I think they can be okay. Can we please get Zach Levine in an all-star game? Please.
1: I'm wondering to see how the all-star voting goes. And by the way, we'll we'll head into that conversation about the all-star game. Um... I'm very, when, you, when we look at the bowl schedule, um, they play Orlando twice, Friday and Saturday, and then next week they have three games where they play Washington, New Orleans, and the LA Clippers. Um, Going to be kind of a rough month because they still have to face Indiana, Philadelphia, Houston, and Phoenix. And those four teams, pretty darn good on their own rights. Uh, New Orleans is actually well, not really
0: Houston. Well, not too much Houston. You got to remember, Houston's given everything away. I'd I'd take Houston out of that.
1: Yeah, but Houston actually still is a quality team with not with their coaching first off, but they still got valuable pieces that they can interchange once in a while. I know they don't have the Harden thing, and they've been trying to deal away PJ Tucker, but. They do have some quality pieces on there, and they are a team that, at least in the West, is going to put up a fight for the playoffs. So, Mike, um, I was thinking more about you know the next five games. Is it? It's obviously essential that the Bulls come out with at least a three and two record. But being realistic, if they go just three and two. Instead of like four and one, the reason for that is because New Orleans has heated up pretty well recently. Um, does that spell do, do you feel more confident
0: about the team? If they go three and two in their next five games, I'd be like, okay, so the Bulls are starting to become a bit better basketball team, but they're not playoff worthy yet. If they get 4-1 in their next five, and they're only, like, that would be, what, uh, two games under five hundred, And they actually take advantage of the stretch that they get and beat the bad teams, then I'd be more willing to consider them a playoff team, just simply because if you beat everyone below you but lose to everyone above you, you will be in the playoffs. If you beat everybody worse and nobody better, you're still in the playoffs, in the NBA, and in sports in general, in my opinion. So they would be that class of team that is better than the bad teams and not as good as the really good teams. So they would make the playoffs as the 8th seed. They would get absolutely padookened out of the playoffs by the Sixers. Because Joel Embiid would put up about 40 a night.
2: (laughs) But that's fine. Um, Take a step. And then next year, they'll be better. No, I agree. It's all about
1: how much in the middle of the pack can the Bulls stay and who else could they nudge out. Um, for that so here's a question i have for you so the the standings obviously the chicago bulls are at least two games back of the charlotte hornets and the cleveland cavaliers um
2: they are
0: better than charlotte and cleveland
1: well you got me there so the the three teams that i'm looking at because three the the three teams that would be at the bottom of the East in the playoffs, at least, would be Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte, and the teams right below Charlotte are New York, Toronto, and Chicago. Miami's the third worst team in the East.
0: I don't Never understand expected. what's going on with Miami.
1: Well, I, it, to me, it makes sense because it's like you had that long run for the playoffs. You only get two months off, or not even, and then you got to go back. Kind of like you're worn out at this point. I expect them to step mm. it up during the second half of the season, but... Um, Chicago, Toronto, New York, because I think Orlando is a lost cause
0: at this point. I know they've split, but I think the Bulls are better than better than the Knicks. I would say so, too, just because of who the
1: Bulls have on that roster. Right. Um, I I'm going with the Bulls over the Knicks. Could you see the Raptors or the Knicks displacing one of these other teams?
0: No, because I don't think Toronto's any good anymore. Because I, I think Toronto kind of has proven to you now that they're not good. So I think the Bulls are better. What did, what did you give me?
1: I gave you... The bottom three and then the next three? Yeah, New York, Toronto, Chicago. The three lower teams in the playoffs are Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte. Am I that
0: far out in left field, or is it just my personal bias towards, like, Levine and a rejuvenated marketing? Is it, like, incredibly biased to say that the Bulls are better than all of that?
1: No, I wouldn't say so. I, I, I get some of the bias, but I also
0: understand there's a good case for it. Because, yeah, because I feel like they are better. At least more talented. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they're a better basketball team than those guys, which means, again, you make the playoffs. I don't think they do anything. I think the first team that they face, like, they face, like, uh, would be Boston as of now, right? Yeah. They would get rolled by Boston, who's got big scoring and can play defense. They'd get absolutely trashed. But they'd be there, which is an important step for next year, which is when they would be more competitive. Because then you get to see what a full year of Billy Donovan is like for them. They would actually get an offseason. And I know that's kind of weird because they, they didn't play in the bubble and they had all that time off, but I mean with Donovan. With not a complete moron as your head coach. Next year, they get a full-off season with a good coach, which will help. And Kobe White will be 20, and Laurie Markkinen will have a good season under his belt and will be confident again. Zach Levine is still a better player, and I think Donovan can get him to play defense. I think there is some... I would absolutely. I haven't heard it, but I can see a world where one of the reasons <laughs> that uh, Zach was so bad at defense was because he didn't really care, because they were terrible and their coach was terrible. Yeah. So I have I have good hope. I have good hope for for the for the uh, for the Bulls.
1: Think it's good a thing to move on to the and something else in basketball that you've touched on the all-star game they've the NBA PA uh players association and the league have okayed an all-star game coming up soon um i just see this as a bad idea yeah i do too i i have nothing else to say but just that
0: <coughs> yeah um shouldn't do all-star games this year.
1: Anything basketball-wise, that you, uh, what else you can think of?
0: Um, No, except I'm still wondering what's going on with Miami.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to keep that in mind.
0: And um, the other question, I, I have a question for you. Um, is Phoenix going to stick it out the whole year? Just be in the quality of a playoff team. And you can answer both of these at once. And also, are the Knicks actually good? And good, I mean, like, kind of good.
2: Not, like, actual good, but, like, solid team good.
1: I'm actually going to say yes to the Knicks part. Like, they are kind of good. Um I really? think they'll be I think they'll be in it for most of the year in the East. And I know that's gonna make some people like scratch their head, but let's be honest about something. I don't see Cleveland sticking it out most Mm-mm. of the year. I think nope. they're gonna fall Charlotte off. Charlotte e-
0: Charlotte neither.
1: Charlotte I don't know. I think it depends on uh the whole LeAngelo ball thing and how much they want to start him. You mean LaMelo. special or Labell? yeah, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But um, I I can see maybe the Hornets being a factor then. I don't know. And Atlanta, I don't know. I just don't. They, they're in the middle of the pack. It's possible they just stay at six or seven throughout most of the year. But I do think there is a case for New York to stay solid. If they aren't, um, you know, the, the ninth, they could be the eighth at some mm-hmm. point And just stay at that so um to answer your question about phoenix so i don't know if you know this there's only one team with a winning record that has nine wins in the west that would be the memphis grizzlies because they haven't played in quite a bit so they're technically at the fifth seed at Uh nine and seven but you look at most of these records dude you go from 17 to six to 16 and five and really, everyone's bunched together. I mean, even last place Minnesota in the West is 5-16. and 16. They're three and a half games out of second to last, which is an 8-12 and 12 New Orleans team. And they're behind. They're, they would be two games behind the 10th seed and four games in back of the 8th seed. So I think Phoenix is going to be in it for a good part of the year. I know they're tied with Portland at 6. I don't think Portland's a true playoff team. Um, given that they, they're going have mu- they're still struggling with the injury factor, and Lillard may not play, not just tonight, but maybe the weekend too, so uh-huh. who knows. Um, but I think Phoenix has a great chance to, uh, to stay in the playoff race.
0: Oh, by the way, Justin, who's the one seed in the West?
1: That'd be the Utah Jazz right now.
0: Yes, it would be. That won't happen when the playoffs come, but the Jazz should get their, their due respect for being awfully good.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert shut down the league. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, they better be in front. Ah, there's your obligatory COVID joke. Yep. And then you have the whole Donovan Mitchell and Shaq feud going on right now where Shaq kind of called out Donovan Mitchell, then Mitchell got mad at Shaq, then Shaq said, prove me wrong. Which is most of what Shaq and Charles and them do when they kind of antagonize their roster people. They're like, okay. We're Hall of Famers. We get to say this about you. Go prove me wrong. Like they've been trying to do with Embiid for years. Pretty much. Are the Warriors destined not to make the playoffs? Given that they have no center
1: right now, and I'm sorry, Kelly Oubre sucks. Like, this band sucks. Worse yeah, I've never,
0: I have never understood why the hell people think Kelly Oubre is good. I've never gotten that. Um, and then I have one more NBA question. Go on.
1: No, I the I watched the Boston game, and I think this is a really that was a really good game to watch and say this man should not be on the team. I mean, he was missing dunks.
2: This man should just not be playing with the Warriors at this point. Also, um, another thing
0: that I, I find interesting. Dallas has a worse record than the Bulls.
1: I think this goes back to, like, there's been a lot of hype and, and want for Luka Doncic and the Mavs to do well. And I think they can get it together. Um, they have to figure out what they want to do. with their. They did
0: lose six in a row, though, which is not a good sign whenever you do it.
1: Yeah, but but that's the thing. Like, how many teams go on a six-game losing streak? I think if you have a six-game yeah. losing streak this early in the season, basically it shows you're going to go nowhere but up. And I think Dallas actually, uh, they will be ahead of Oklahoma City and Sacramento, those are two teams that well, are ahead of them right now.
0: Hey, the Kings are another team that I've been waiting to, like, not be bad for a very long time and still kind of are bad.
1: Mike, I been sort of into basketball since I was high school, and I've never seen the Kings be good.
0: I know. Well, the Kings haven't been good since the early... haven't been truly, truly very good since the early 2000s, and I think they should be now, because because th- they remind me a lot of the Bulls. They had such a good young team, but they give up the most points in the NBA. I mean, they're just abysmal defensively.
1: They're an eye to watch. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: but... But Swiper is so good. Darren Fox doesn't deserve to be stuck there. He's so good. Darren Fox is awesome.
1: Either way, shout out to Darren Fox for saying this All Star Game is a bad idea.
0: Mm-hmm. He's a cool dude. He streamed over the pandemic, and I like him even more.
1: I do too. Just uh, a good guy.
0: Yeah. All right, so are you ready to move on to the big game? Yeah, there's a lot of NFL stuff to touch on, not just the big game. Oh, oh, you mean like the Eagles' new head coach press conference?
1: Yeah, whatever that's worth. I mean, the Eagles at this point are just, what the hell
0: are they doing? Oh, boy. Did you hear that, Minkley? I did
1: not, because...
0: Oh, my God, go find it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go find, find it. it. Go find it now, actually. There's clips on YouTube. Uh, I'm
1: going to have to watch it after, because I don't know how much of the vocal is going to be on the recording.
0: Oh. Oh. Well, you, you have headphones in, right? I do. It shouldn't pick up.
2: All right. <sighs>
0: um, yeah, I... I don't know what that is. It's weird. Like, it's like... He's talking about a smart and simple plan, and he just can't talk. And he's, like, very awkward, and he he doesn't really sound like he can lead a room that well. And it's just, oh, what did the Eagles do? It it reminds me of when the San Francisco 49ers hired Jim Tom Tomsula to be their head coach, who had been their defensive line coach for, like, five, six years. And then they rolled him out of his industry press conference, and it's like he'd never they'd never met him before, and it's like if you like if you heard this guy talk, why the hell would you make him a head football coach? And then he went and did a thing with NBCSN Bay Area, and that was so rotten and so bad that they told that they said that Tom Sula will not be meeting the press anymore outside of like just press con- team-based press conferences. Yeah, and that was the point in which everybody kind of knew the whole Tom Sula thing was completely doomed. So, yeah, oh boy, I'm getting Jim Tom Sula vibes. I mean, the Lions guy was weird, but in kind of a fun football way. Like, oh, we're gonna go bust our kneecaps. We're gonna be tough. Like, he was weird, and the Motor Motor City man was kind of fun in a in a football-y way. But, um, Nick Serrani, not so much,
1: yeah, I have the press conference up, and I'm gonna watch that a little bit later,
0: all right, uh, yeah, uh, well, it just um, you can just get the clip of what I'm like talking about, like McAfee put it up and all that stuff. It's like it's
2: like a minute long if you go watch that later. Um, oh boy.
0: It's interesting. It is very, very interesting that he got hired. Um, and also, I just got to say this again. Why the hell doesn't Eric Biennemi have a job?
1: Yeah, that's probably the most surprising part. I if mean, we're going
0: to talk about head coaches, I would once again like to mention that I don't understand why Biennemi doesn't have a Unless he doesn't want one. I would like to know why the hell Eric Biennemi doesn't have a head coaching job. Like, Jesus.
1: Well, there's also the point where, is there a specific job that he's thinking of,
0: too? I, that's, that's, and that could be one other thing,
2: Meekly. I, I mean, what, uh, job, is, I wonder, you know, I just thought of something. What? I wonder if Andy Reid told Eric Bannemi if they win the Super Bowl, he's going to retire
0: and Bannemi gets the job. I wonder. Because why else would Eric Bannemi not be an NFL head coach right now? Unless, That'd be a very- he, thinks, unless he thinks he's Josh McDaniels. And he's just going to wind up back with Andy anyway, so he's just kind of happy being where he is. But but I don't, I don't see why he would be. I, I don't see why that dude's an NFL head coach. Unless he's going to be the Chiefs head coach next year because Andy Reid's going to walk off into the sunset. Or he's just happy where he is, and he's one of them folks that's just kind of content, like me.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm very.
0: Unsure. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like, like if he's not a head coach out of the choice of the teams and league, I think we have a problem. Because this dude who can't talk is a is a head man, but Eric Bieniemy isn't. Am I the only one that sees a problem with that? No. No, I, I know you're not. Because um, sometimes I'm out on my island with my sports stuff. But I feel like that's not something I'm out on my own with. Or at least I certainly shouldn't
2: be.
1: No, but this again highlights to does the enemy already have a job picked out in his head? Yeah. So, and I would actually say, probably, yes, at this point more than anything
0: and I feel obliged to bring this up because unless it's that which you said, or unless it's what I just thought, is it really because he's a minority because at this point, I'm hunting for reasons and I've only got a few places in my hunt left to go and that's one of them. Here's what I don't understand. I don't like to do that. I so many people are so much quicker than that at, at quicker to go to the race card thing with why a guy isn't XYZ thing than I am. I do not go to that card very quickly. I usually think that card is stupid and unusable and just kind of does more harm than good. But even at this point, I think it's fair to start to wonder because there's really very few reasons for for, for him to not be a coach. To not here's, be a head
1: coach. Here's my thing, Mike. I feel like either way it feels like a loss because let's be honest, black head coaches would probably have less amount of time to implement their process than a white head coach. Um, and, and I feel like, okay, let's take into consideration that who Detroit hired and Philadelphia Well, high- hey,
0: how long has how Flores been there? You haven't, given, haven't
2: they given
0: Flores his fair shake? But let's be honest, everyone... Hugh Jackson was... Told... Te- I'm trying to think of, of blackhead coaches to back up your point, or to, See, to but, research your point. But,
1: okay, Mike, think about it this way. How many expected Brian Flores' first year to go as well as it did?
0: Was this his first year? I thought this was his second.
1: This was his second year. But his okay. first year, when they looked like garbage that first half of the season, everyone was like, oh, yeah, well, he's going to basically take the docks for this. The team wound up being a lot better. Yeah, they were very- I have, But I have to think, okay, let's say that the Dolphins weren't as good as they were this year, and they, were, and they stayed as bad as they were last year. Uh-huh. Would he still be the head coach? Uh, hmm.
0: I still think so, because Miami doesn't really have that reputation of yeeting coaches out the window. Miami's not as trigger-happy.
2: See, that's like Arizona. And I don't care what reason it is. If a guy gets fired after one year, there's a problem.
1: Yeah, the Steve Wilkes hiring in Arizona is like one
0: of yeah. the... There know, the guy another problem.
1: He didn't have a shot. Um, Vance Joseph, it wasn't... Vance Joseph was bad in Denver. It was the GM. Yeah. So you can't really say that those two guys were really the issue. Um, But here's what I wonder, Mike. Like, we look at this coaching class, and I think I talked to um, Wesley about this. How many of these coaches do you see lasting at least four or five years? Robert Sala is the only one that I could see really lasting four or
0: five years. The guys that just got hired? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh did Salah go to No. Where'd Salah go? Wait, who? Salah. Where'd he go? He went to the Jets. Jets.
2: <sighs>
0: who Jackson will hire? I can't remember. Urban Meyer. Oh, well that's definitely not gonna
2: happen. Um I'm gonna say nobody. Geez, really? Remember when Todd Bowles went to the Jets?
0: And that was supposed to be an incredible hire because Todd Bowles was the next great defensive head man waiting. Remember what happened with that? And then it turned out he got to the Jets and that thing was suck and he was gone. Okay. But what if the Jets land Deshaun Watson? Oh, okay. Well then this is different. Do they have a real offensive coordinator? Like they have somebody to help him? they also need a might need a receiver but yeah robert's all I could whip the defense into shape then again this is what dan quinn should have been although atlanta did have some good teams and quinn lasted a fair while um yeah okay yeah all right all right if you're if you're saying get him to his second contract as a coach and um he they have deshaun watts they wind up getting watson okay yeah uh, th- yes, then I will, I will go ahead and throw Salah in there. Um, but that would be my only one, and that's if they get a really good quarterback somehow. Urban Meyer is not going to last in pro football. That's been proven over and over again by by that by that kind of coach, um, and also he just don't last anywhere really. If you know. So, I
1: actually would not have hired him this year. I think next year would have been
0: a good job. No, year. I wouldn't have hired him at all. Okay. But, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have hired him, period. Um, because I think he, I think it, him, it's either college or that's it. Um, most of the guys like him, especially him. I I would have called Jim Harbaugh before I brought in Urban Meyer,
2: and also scumbag.
0: Yeah, there is that part to it. Yeah, there, there's the part that everybody seems to like to forget. It turns out Urban Meyer's a sack of crap. Um, probably a player abuser too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. All the major head college, all the major college guys are, are you crazy? <laughs> That's why, like, like again, working in news, um, like, that's why working in news and and being around Notre Dame and and like working weekends or like you know whatever, and you hear the stuff Brian Kelly says, and it, it makes me nearly have a brain aneurysm, because like Brian Kelly's talking about if they would have made the playoff, they you know they didn't want to go because of the players, and they and the players couldn't see their families. And, like, Brian Kelly's taking the high road. Yeah. And then they got dick kicked by Alabama, and it's like, all right, we can finally put to bed the narrative that Notre Dame's actually good at football. And then Brian Kelly's screaming at reporters about, oh, there shouldn't be a narrative that Notre Dame's not good at football and we're not as good as the big boys. I'm like, well, the last five times you've encountered a big boy in bowl season, you've gotten your fucking dick ripped off. Didn't they lose to Clemson? Yeah. They lost to Bama twice now. They lost to Clemson um, a couple of years ago. Um, no, I mean this past one.
1: Didn't they technically oh, lose
0: to uh, Well, they beat Clemson that had no Trevor Lawrence, and they lost the ACC title game to Clemson, yes. But they still made the playoff because college football wasn't as good and was ravaged by COVID. But uh, anyway, what was I even talking about? How college... Um, Football coaches are scum. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But, like, the Urban Meyer thing, I don't think Urban Meyer's going to last. That's why I wouldn't have hired him. Very true. Um, but why would you have waited till next year?
2: I honestly believe the Bengals
1: could have hired him. You think? I, I really do. I think this is, unfortunately, for Zach Taylor... He's not going to have Joe Burrow to really work with. And even if Burrow comes back, let's be honest, the Bengals are going to ruin him. So um, it, it's a lame duck year for Taylor. He's going to be out after this year. And who else to bring in but Urban Meyer? Because you have a got, bunch of young players on there. They're still. Per- I think A.J. Green is going to be the last major guy that walks. Uh-huh. So you're basically going to have a bunch of college guys in the NFL, and what better guy to have than, some, than the dude who was at
2: OSU? Hmm. I mean, I know it's, I, it sounds like, really? But
1: let's be honest, when, when the Bengals are done after next season, Zach Taylor will be out, and they're going to be looking for a new head coach who either is really good in college or never got a fair chance, and they're going to use him.
0: Oh. Um, so I guess the next logical question here is, who's your uh, favorite head Gilchire?
1: I'm going to be honest. I think the Robert Salo one's probably my favorite so far. Yeah, mine too. I think, especially if they're able to land Deshaun Watson, this mm-hmm. is a team that is going to give the AFC, not just the AFC East, but the AFC in general, a lot of hell.
0: Hey, By the way, who's your favorite for Watson?
1: I'm going to say the Jets on this one. Think so? Um, and Speaking of which, there's been some things saying that uh, report that he would like to go to an AFC West team, so that leaves basically the Broncos as the headline team. Uh, I would say the Raiders are probably the team after that. I wouldn't mind seeing Deshaun go to the Broncos um, because I feel like the Broncos have better trade pieces than a good number of teams do.
0: Um, and Fangio's good head coach.
1: Yeah, great head coach. The, the problem has been the the shit drafting that Elway had his first year and then the injuries from last year. So he's getting a great receiving core with Noah Fant as the lead tight end in Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy may develop more. And the offensive line would probably have to be worked on a bit. But I really like where the Broncos would head.
0: And well, I think already that, have, um, what's his, uh, Garrett Bowles, who's good. Yeah. You've got at least one good tackle off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to worry about the quarterback situation with Drew Locke. Is he going to be consistent for next season? If you wind up trading Drew Locke and you trade a first-round pick, and then you, I, I'm going to actually say you ship Von Miller off, um, this is actually not a bad team. Because even without Von Miller, they were able to compete against one in, in Kansas City in one game.
0: The only person- I don't think they would ship off Von Miller. And also, I don't know if he trades for him because he's too injured.
1: Well, but the thing is, uh, and we'll we'll get into the Jared Goff-Matthew Stafford trade.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that's where I was going. The
1: the thing is, the Von Miller throwing him in there despite the injury history and the fact he's been out for a year actually makes that offer kind of attractive. Because he's gotten the Super Bowl ring. He can maybe want something new. Who knows? I don't know. I think the, the one with the most firepower to get them right now is absolutely the New York Jets. They got the draft picks. They can sacrifice some of these other players like Sam Darnold if they want. And mm-hmm. they absolutely have everything in their wherewithal. I mean, hell, they got so much salary cap space. If they wanted to extend Deshaun Watson... And yeah, they could up, pay him,
0: too. Yeah. Um... Because I don't think he's paid yet. Um, so, uh, because I believe he's on fifth year. Um, let's talk about that trade, the big trade that went down. Minkley, uh, grab the dish- – I almost said the Deshaun Grab the Matt Stafford trade in front of you, if you please.
1: I, I actually had that memorized. It's like golf, two first-round picks and a second or third. Then a third. Yeah, it's a first-round pick
0: in 22 and 23, a third and 21, and Jared Goff from Matt Stafford. What's your reaction to this trade? This is a laughing stock. This
1: is horrible. This is absolutely hilarious. And it, First off, the, the big thing that I take away from this is, why would you have signed Jared Goff to that extension two years
0: ago? Because you thought he was good.
1: Yeah, but, okay, take that, take that part out of it. He, he's been exposed by the same, with the same issues and never adapted twice to it. The first one was against the Bears, and then the Patriots had the same playbook that they used against them. So you absolutely should not have signed him for that much money. And then, after that, you wind up trading him and two first-round picks. And and I'm not talking about, you know, for some guy like Patrick Mahomes. See, that would have been a different story because it's like, okay, it's Mahomes. He's going to have the same offensive talent around him, maybe a bit better offensive line. But you trade him for an injury-prone, old-ass QB who... it probably is coming near the end of his career. I've written about quarterbacks that should retire at the end of the season, and I actually threw the argument in that Matthew Stafford should retire because of the amount of injuries he's had. And you're just saying, screw it, let's throw, let's trade two first round picks and a slack jaw idiot for a quarterback that may or may not get injured next season, and we're gonna see if we can call it a
2: day. The only thing I can think of is you somehow believe that Matt
0: Stafford is the. Is that Jared Goff has been. Has kept you just below Super Bowl. And you think that Matthew Stafford is a good enough quarterback. Because let's be honest, okay? I'm not by any means saying that uh, Matt Stafford is not the better quarterback. Because he absolutely is. But what I'm saying is I don't understand why exactly it is that you have you do this where you basically say okay i think golf is just below super bowl stafford would put us above and that's basically what you're banking on i don't get what tells you you're like that because you mentioned this i think before moving on the air minkley i don't trust them to win the division next year that's correct i don't i don't trust them either
1: I think the big thing, like, and the conversation has been like, oh, now that he's leaving the Lions, how good, is how good are we going to see Matthew Stafford? And I think the big argument, is, there are a few arguments to pick out as we've seen him in the NFC North. Number one, Matthew Stafford actually automatically goes down when he's about to be sacked at times. That's not something that's talked about as much. When he's wrapped up, he decides he wants to go down willing. And that is going to be a red flag, especially when they have to play teams like Seattle and San Francisco who have those pass rushes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who can pretty much counter out that offensive line. But the other thing that really stands out to me, Mike, is with Jared Goff traded, you don't have a first round pick
0: on that roster that you had. For oh, least- hey, hey, by the way, they don't have a first until like 2024 now. Yeah, so that's basically
1: close to eight years with no first round pick. Yep. And let's be honest, Mike, you can't keep hitting on mid round picks.
2: Nope.
1: Uh, as good as Les Snead and Sean McVay have been, I understand that the the drafting and the type of budgeting and 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 by the way, you know what? No, no yeah.
0: first for eight years and you're still competitive. That's good. Well, five years so far, they're doing a good job with their personnel selection, but. And I'll let you get back to your point. My thing is that that we got to remember, it's not just Seattle. There is less than no chance that San Fran will be anywhere near as injured this year as they were last year because I don't think it's possible.
1: I mean, it got so bad to the point that the Niners were playing in one of their division rival stadiums. So, yeah, you have to throw that out there, too.
0: So the Niners thing cannot possibly be as bad as it was this year. And don't forget how good they were. The year before, well,
1: I think San Fran's always going to have an injury issue because that's something that's just stayed during the Kyle Shanahan era. I, I know that's not his fault, but it's the reality
0: of the situation. Yeah, but just for whatever reason, they've always had big problems with injuries. But they can't be as injured as they were last year.
1: Correct, and and even the third string Niners team basically pushed the Rams around. Yeah, and, and they, had, they still played mean,
0: good games.
1: But they didn't have Nick Bosa for Except none for of that. They, didn't, they lost to Forrest Buckner in the offseason, and they still were mauling that Rams offensive line around. And it is very much an issue that they're going to have to deal with because you can't keep hitting on mid-round picks like they have. They're paying most of their salary to six guys. So that means you have to hit on all your draft picks again. You got to sign cheap in the offseason and hope to develop. And if you can do that well for maybe four years, that's luck. You can't do that for six or seven. It's just how
0: it is. The only guy who's done that for an extended period of time is Belichick.
1: Yeah, but look at who he had a quarterback,
0: too. Well, oh, yes, but also it was also Bill Belichick. Like. We're talking about one of the best coaches ever here. You know. And I'm not saying Kyle Han- Shanahan isn't a good coach because he is probably a great coach. But we're talking about maybe the best head man ever. Is the only person that I can think of that did kind of what they did. Now, the, the, the Patriots didn't trade their first, but, like, you know what I mean. Like... Hitting on good guys in the draft. You have a few star players. You sign a guy or two in the offseason, and you're still right back there next year and do that over and over and over and over and over and over. And Belichick, in my lifetime anyway, not saying ever, I'm just saying for me, Belichick is the only guy I can think of. And I'm not including Tomlin, because Tomlin should have been fired a long time ago, but the Steelers don't fire coaches.
1: But again, this goes into, who did he have? a quarterback.
0: <laughs> and yeah, but he still had to put something around him.
1: Very true. Um, especially in the early, you know, the early 2000s. But this, again, goes into, it, if your quarterback isn't injured at any point during the season, and Stafford's issue has been ribs or back or leg or arm, I, I, I mean, it's gotten so – he's been injured so much that if I used the fast method from the stroke commercials, three of the four characters <laughs> <or four laughs> would be on that injury list. And I think this is just a poor trade. But what this do- also does is it raises Deshaun Watson's uh, actual – Yeah,
0: that, that was my initial reaction to this trade. Yeah, I take – What's Deshaun Watson worth now? Eight firsts and a Bugatti? (laughs) Well, here's what
1: I see Deshaun Watson's market as. I mean, the Jets basically have two first-round picks this year and next year, courtesy of Seattle and that Jamal Adams trade. So you can trade four first-round picks in two years. Um, You can do the, we'll give you Sam Darnold option, because he's still a project overall. He just needs the right coach.
0: Yeah, but Houston wants defensive starters for Dar- or for uh, Watson.
1: Well, they do have some good parts on defense, as we saw. And uh, as much as I liked him in Seattle, the IR issue came into play with him. I think Bradley McDougald is a great safety that you want on your team. So I would throw McDougald in. I'd throw all the parts that he got from Seattle, throw Darnold in, throw some more defense in, and there you go. I think you trade at least six guys. That, that's six players right there in a Deshaun Watson trade. And, and the crazy thing about that, Mike, is that doesn't harm the Jets. That actually makes it better because I wrote about in the regular season, uh, especially the week they almost beat the Raiders, they got the players. They just need a coach. Oh. That place was doing crap almost every week and we could see it with his eyes trying to run away from his sockets. <laughs> Bernard Braxton is a good clutch receiver. You got guys on there that really can do some uh crowd Jameson Crowder is a great one or two
0: option. And uh, uh, layer roll? I mean
1: yeah, okay. He was the leading receiver, but let's be honest here, Watson elevates play from everyone around you. Yeah. And if he can make Kiki QT, the six option wide receiver, look like a number two, I'm pretty sure he could look make those guys look like what? Okay. <laughs> Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada in Cincinnati.
0: Ooh, TJ Hushmanzada. There's a name I haven't heard in a long time.
1: Yeah. Pulling old names out for you. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Texans' uh, new head coach, he was part of a coaching staff the past couple of seasons in which the Ravens only had three wide receivers post 1,000 receiving yards in a
2: decade.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, the the Ravens are all kind of dead, receiving-wise, and they still manage to win games. They win
1: games because they throw to the tight end. That's the majority of their passing game, and that's not going to win you a championship, nor a lot of playoff games.
0: As has been backed up by Baltimore's record in the playoffs.
1: But I also backed up Mike Vick in the Falcons, too.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I think Vick would have been better if it weren't for the Dogs. You know, his career had really gone to the Dogs, if you know what I mean.
1: I, I really cannot stand you, but... Um, in, in, all, in all terms of search stands, it, it, To be objective here Uh huh. Mobile QBs <laughs> look better When they actually learn how to throw to the outside Like I'm sorry If your number one wide receiver is, Matt, is Michael Jenkins And Algie
0: Crumpler <laughs> You're not
1: going to win Many quality playoff games And you're seeing right wait, now wait wait
0: wait play. wait
1: Didn't he have Roddy White at the end No Roddy White got good when he went to jail Oh. Roddy White's breakout season was the year Bobby Petrino was head coach and decided
0: to dip. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's so, when Roddy White got him. I
1: was just saying, I thought Roddy White was there. And then he got Matt Ryan the season after, so that kind of helped.
0: Yeah.
1: But see, we're seeing, I don't want to say Vic 2.0, we're seeing a very similar situation where Greg Roman doesn't know how to develop a QB, to make him throw the outside. Hollywood Brown is okay. Yeah, he he's good. Normally, he'd be a number three or a number two on anyone mm-hmm. else. And uh, Mark is- Andrews, you know, we got, we got a three tight end set team here that is supposed to bail out Lamar in the middle of the field. And I'm sorry, that just isn't going to work. So you got to develop the passing game a lot more if you're the Ravens. And <laughs> this is... I could at least say that if the Jets played the Ravens with Deshaun Watson, the Jets have a good chance of winning. Uh-huh.
0: All right. Let's, let's talk about the actual game going on, the big one this weekend.
1: Yeah, the big game. We can't actually say the name.
0: Because- Chiefs and Bucks. Um, first, before we get into the prediction, um, do you have the totals for the year with one to go? Yeah, the picks? Well, you by far and away have won the picks. Yes, yes, yes. I just wanted to hear it one more time. Wow. Look at um, this. So, what the hell are we going to pick now? I
1: mean, um, well, we still have NBA playoff games we can pick. Do you want to
0: pick an assortment of NBA games every week?
1: Yeah, I don't mind. Let me see if I can find the picks. I know they're here because I wrote them down. Yeah, we could do. um, I've been doing NHL picks on some of the sports groups that I've been involved in. Um, I think that's very fun because it actually. uh, Well, you and I
0: both watch basketball. Yeah, that is true.
1: It was funny. Someone um, actually, we did not just picks for games, but we also did like, who do you see getting a hat trick in one of these games? Uh And I wound up coming one and a half close to that, to getting a hat trick. Oh. Sadly, that didn't happen. Um, but basketball-wise, I think that'd be very fun.
0: Pick a few games from the coming weekend.
1: Yep. Okay. So your record is one eighty and eighty-two. You went one and one for the championship games. My dope ass went zero and two. <laughs> one sixty-eight and ninety-four. So that should tell you. I had led Michael a good part of like the first half of the season. And then basically, I spiraled out of control. So, Michael basically uh, had a very solid second half of the year. Yeah. Kiss
0: my feet, bitch. Um,
1: (laughs) However, winning the Super Bowl pick, kind of a big thing because... Whatever. You may not remember records every year, but we do remember who we picked for the Super Bowl. Oh, stop it.
0: Yeah, we do. Let's break down this game. I know who I picked last year to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's Mahomes versus Tom Brady. And the and the Chiefs, who, as you mentioned, don't have a great offensive line. Again, and with a great receiving core against what I think is a Buccaneers defense that is young and good, but not as good as it needs to be. And meanwhile on the other side of things, you have Brady and Ronald Jones who are much better than the Chiefs defense, but the Chiefs defense has a nasty habit of being decent in the second half of big games.
1: And also Yeah, that's cuz
0: they're dirty. And also, let us keep in mind that there's two things at play here. The Bucks offense is going to be a lot slower than the Chiefs is. So there is a pace thing here too.
1: Yes, which is very important because this is how not just you slow down the Kansas City offense. This is how, um, and and to me, it's actually important who wins the coin toss. It's actually important how you start and set a game tempo early, which is why I I would actually, I've actually predicted that whoever wins the coin toss, I would prefer it to be Tampa for them to actually get the ball first and, and get going that way.
0: Ah, this is where you and I disagree on football philosophy.
1: No, I, I get what you're saying because it's I want the like, ball at oh. half.
0: Um, but at because the same if time... Because if you can end the half of the score and begin the second half of the score, you win the game. That is very
1: true, but understand the opponent that they're playing, especially on the receiving end or... Well, I'm it,
0: just saying whoever it is. Right. I, I don't care if I'm playing the Lions, the Jaguars... Or the Eastern Illinois Panthers. (laughs) If I can control um, the middle eight, as it'd be called, if I can control the middle eight in a football game, I can win.
1: So, I guess this actually brings us to a couple valuable points. So, the keys for Kansas City to win, and let's and, and be realistic here. I, there are multiple ways Kansas City can win, and I, we can point to the regular season matchup, too. Um, so, let's point out keys for Kansas City to win.
0: You want to go start ahead. Or should I go? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I thought you were gonna say I'm gonna point out the keys to the Chiefs, and you quit talking. I was like, hello. Um, oh, okay. um
1: so so who should start this? Do you want me to start off or do you go want ahead, you can. All right. So I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be very objective with both sides here. Um so I'm gonna say for offense, I think the big thing that Kansas City has to do is I would like to see them obviously run the ball to start off, see if they nope. can set the tempo that way. I think that gives you a lot of uh, stress-free edge off of Mahomes, given the offensive line issue. And you can kind of do what the Saints did in that. The Saints actually did a pretty good job running that ball. The only thing is they didn't do it as much. Um, And I I would actually try to bait them on more of that one-on-one coverage that Todd Bowles drew up. I mean, that's how Tyreek Hill had that big game. In that first quarter, you, you get them that ISO ball or that ISO coverage, and <laughs> that. And remember,
0: this yeah. is Brady without Belichick. You don't have a Belichick defense to worry about. That is very true. That's very true. Because if you said that and the opposing side was New England, I'd say, well, Belichick is not going to make that mistake. Yes. Because whatever personnel he has, you are not going to outcoach
2: him Yes, because let's be honest, for what they had for personnel, Belichick got
0: about all he could out of that team. yeah,
1: and, and i I think another thing to take into consideration here is how. Uh Todd Bowles calls defense. Obviously, he wants his guys to compete, but I don't think they have enough tools to stop this receiving core that New
2: England's would. hmm So um so I think that's something to keep in mind. Defensively for Kansas City, um,
1: it's to play a, a very physical yet clean game. I think the fact that Carl Sheffords is calling this game. Kind of puts the dimmer down on what was in the championship game, which I had a huge problem with. As a different topic for another day, Um, but it forces Kansas City to play clean, play well against uh, your pass rush has to be very clean and not hold or
0: start fights. Got to get to the quarterback.
1: Secondary can't be head hunting or playing illegally, like you know, Batista bombing the receivers. Can't do that. So if you play clean, and I actually think special teams is going to be more of a factor in this game than a lot of people let on. So I think that there's a very great case for Kansas City to repeat. What says you for Kansas City here?
0: For Kansas City, I say Clyde Edwards-Alaire needs to get between somewhere between 80 and 100 yards, if not more than 100. I look at how they won that Super Bowl last year. And they won it because the Niners were so amped up to stop Patrick Mahomes, and they didn't realize that the running backs could go nuts, and they did, and that's how they won the ball game. And then, in, at a certain point, um, the Niners were just kind of screwed. And I think that's the way that you're going to have to beat Tampa because, le- like, let's face this for a second, okay? Le- let's let's be honest about this. How exactly is it that you are going to like if you're if you're Tampa, okay? If you get down two touchdowns, how are you going to win the game? That's very true. So, may, two touchdowns, maybe even ten points. If you get behind Kansas City, how do you win the game? So Tampa's got to score early. So to me, the way to prevent that for Kansas City is have a good pass rush and play good defense, but offensively. I want to see Kansas City run the ball because I want to see Kansas City use the talent that Edwards-Jailer has, and that the, they they do have a solid running back core and the pitch out stuff to Tyreek Hill. I want to see what they have there, or them use what they have there rather. And if they use that well enough, they could play outside a little bit and and not not necessarily run some time, but in between every possession. And if this is the case for both, neither offense can afford to go three and out. I because actually agree. your defense needs time to breathe, especially Kansas City's, whose defense is not as good. And it sounds kind of weird because Kansas City is a track meet team, but is a track meet kind team, but I think that you can still be that track meet team, but I just want you to do it in more than one play. You know, if like... Like, you can still score like you're in a track meet, getting four first downs and then getting a touchdown. But to me, you got to give the defense some time, and a good running game will help you give the defense to the time, and more importantly, wear out the opposing defense because this could be a championship game decided in the second half. Yeah, I
1: I actually have. Um, a running back kind of winning the Super Bowl MVP because of this exact style. You're going to have to wear out the defenses, and whoever punts first, I feel like that's going to be the team that loses. There's going to be have to have to be something incredible.
0: Well, so the, I don't know to... if it's first punt loses, but I would agree the first punter is at a big disadvantage. Yes. So it a... sounds that sounds kind of silly. But because you would think, well, yes, of course, because they punted and that's bad, but beyond just the punting isn't good and it gives away a possession, beyond that, it's just that if Kansas City punts, Brady is going to grind that away, like we saw in the Packer game. First two downs, random ball, nothing good happened, boom, third down completion. And he did that for about a good four minutes uh, after Green Bay did nothing with their first drive. And that set Green Bay back. So they're going to be very good at that. And on the other side of things, the Buccaneers punt, all of a sudden, boom, touchdown, get the ball back. Like if if Kansas City scores, like say they get it, say the defense holds them a field goal, offense comes out, turns it over, boom, quick touchdown, all of a sudden 10-point swing and the Bucs are in trouble.
1: Yeah, and again, like what you said, it's about the defense that actually winds up getting the rest you know how much can you let your defense rest and everything mm-hmm. and it's going to be very important to see okay like you said big disadvantage um for whoever punts. so um my so here so you said for the chiefs um let's go with how the bucks can win this
0: Bucks need to run the ball with Ronald Jones and do it consistently to set up Brady's dink-and-dunk style passing game, and they need to play very good defense and keep Mahomes inside the pocket. You're not going to completely shut down Patrick Mahomes, but if you can contain the massive plays and keep him within the pocket, you can limit him better and make him more susceptible to a mid-pass rush from, like, Devin White, for example. You can make him more susceptible to a middle linebacker rush against a weaker offensive line if if you keep you know if you if you keep him in the pocket if you let him go outside then if you rush white up the middle mahomes can just run away and let's be honest here if you're rushing white if you're going to bring more if you're going to bring like 6 or 7 dudes Uh, Five or six dudes, especially if you run a mid kind of blitz, if you run like a mid blitz, you're going to get 1v1 coverage on the outside. You don't want run and run coverage with Tyreek Hill. You don't want one-on-one coverage with Travis Kelsey. So the smarter thing to do would probably to not blitz with us people, but blitz around the outside so that Mahomes doesn't have the time to go where he wants to go. Because if he has the time, he's going to kill you and you're going to lose a football game. Offensively, Ronald Jones needs to be good. The Chiefs are not a they are not a very good defense, but they are a good and well-coached team. If you do one thing against them the whole time, you're not gonna beat them. You're gonna have to do a multitude of things, and the running game will wear them down. If you can keep within a touchdown at halftime and you've been running the ball and you're wearing them out, and you get a punt to start the second half from Kansas City then you're you're you know you're back in the football game you can get a lead and you can close it down um i think there's a clear path to victory for both but i think the more likely path is for Kansas City and Justin Minkley my pick for big game 55 pat mahomes goes back to back
1: So I think the key is for the Buccaneers to win for me. Obviously, on offense, you got to feed both Fournette and Leonard Jones. One thing that's impressed me is Leonard Fournette is actually a playoff running back, which I can see why he was drafted so high to begin with, because the Jaguars probably thought they were going to be going to the playoffs. And Ronald Jones, two weeks to recover from that quad injury, I think this actually spells a, a recipe for the Patriots to win this. Um, The big thing that really stands out to me is with all these receivers, you're going to see them used probably in critical situations. So I think you're going to see guys like Cameron Brait, Scotty Miller, and Godwin when things matter most. Um, The offensive line, I think, is going to be kind of the same issue that I have with Kansas City's offensive line. They will get to you at a point. So it's very important that Uh, They run this ball early and often. And don't deviate. This is where I think it's better if Brady coaches the game instead of Arians. Because Arians loves to sling it around. You can't do that against this Kansas City team. I'm going to say that the big thing for Tampa's defense is going to be that pass rush. And I found an interesting statistic. Do not laugh because we touched on this earlier. Jason Pierre-Paul's three fingers on a hand has actually registered more sacks than before he blew his hand up.
0: Um, hey, by the way, I do want to mention one more thing for the Bucks, looking at the uh, injury report. Both starting Buccaneer safeties are questionable and were limited uh, today in practice. Now, I think that's a big deal because even if they're playing, if they're not at 100%, um, I, it didn't say what the injuries were. I didn't see what the injuries were. I just saw that they were questionable and limited today, uh, especially if it's lower body stuff. The safeties are going to be required for Tyreek Hill and not necessarily for Kelsey in the route, but for Kelsey in the actual, like, after he catches the football. If they don't have totally healthy safeties, they're in trouble. They're in Big trouble against Kansas City.
1: But, but, but this is what proves to me that it has to be the pass rush here. Because if they can get through, and, and look at the guys on this offensive line. the
0: guy feeling, yeah, It won't matter if they can get through.
1: Yeah, it, 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 if these guys are just beating the shit out of Mahomes by the time the third quarter rolls around, I don't think it matters. I think by then the game could be a little bit out of reach because the Bucs will have that urgency. Tom Brady will keep his foot on the gas like he has in New England in numerous games. And it doesn't matter. Um, But when you're looking at, when you talk about the coverage, this is why I said at the very beginning for Kansas City, if you get that one-on-one play like you did and Tyree Kill goes off, I think you're talking about a little bit of a different story And maybe the defensive part then comes down to who makes the first stop. And then it maybe goes into
2: Kansas City's favor.
0: And with the Kansas City defense, here's the thing that I want people to remember. What have we been saying about Kansas City's defense for both years that they have been phenomenal? The defense is no good. The offense is the thing that carries them. Last year's Super Bowl, yes, it was the running game. But you know what? When, the, when, it came, when it came down to nut-cutting time, guess who played really well? The Chiefs defense. Yeah, but,
1: okay, see, now we can go into a different topic, and that was, well, both head coaches were known to choke, so someone had to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, no offense, Mike, you got the, the offense. Andy Reid is
0: absolutely the better coach.
1: I mean, but his timeout management says otherwise. Okay, no, no,
0: no, no, no. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yes, he's bad at timeouts, but seriously. Andy Reid is the better coach than Bruce Arians. Come on. Stop it.
1: I mean. Hey, 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 hey,
0: hey, hey.
2: You know what else? mm. Guess who had a week off? Both teams? Yeah. But Oh, oh, you mean that bye week. Yeah, okay. Kansas Uh City
0: bye week, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid plus bye equal good. Historically.
1: I mean, historically, yeah, but they almost lost to the Browns. The thing is, if you... Well, they also
0: kind of were like, okay, we won in, like, the third quarter.
1: Yeah, but still, I mean, when you're... Franchise QB gets knocked out for that. It's like, well,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> you, you kind of need a miracle to let you win that
0: game, yeah. And again, yeah, like you just said, they lost Mahomes, so you can't really go, I ah, can't, can't win the Super Bowl. They barely beat the bronze, but you didn't have Mahomes, you didn't have Mahomes, so it'll be tough.
1: But then, but then again, it also goes into that whole. The defense is gonna have be an eye raiser because it didn't hold up well that second half of that game, minus when they decided to punt, and that's a separate thing in and of itself. Um, But for Tampa Bay, I mean, basically, you you got to run the ball and you got to make sure you rush the passer really well and try to give that secondary enough time. I mean, what was it? Seattle was in the bottom half. It was the worst defense in the league. Why? They didn't have any pass rush. Mm -hmm. And they fixed that with two guys and turned into a mid-range defense in that second half of the season. And that's, that's the difference to me right there. So I'm going the opposite of you. I think Andy Reid finds a way to choke this because you don't have Kyle Shanahan coaching in the Super Bowl this year. And oh, by the way, um, the fact that you have two backup guys on the offensive line that they both have to face, Devin White, Shaq Barrett, and or Jason Pierre-Paul does not bode well for your quarterback. I'm giving this one to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. And I think the league is going to be very pissed because they wanted Kansas City to win so bad.
0: Oh, they love Brady. (laughs)
1: They love Brady, too, but let's be honest. How the hell does Christian Jones, like, cold cock a guy and not get fined for it, but Jared Allen jaw, but Josh Allen jaws at someone, and he gets fined?
0: Because the NFL has no, like, consistency and discipline. It's not new.
1: You're right. It's not new, but it's like, really? We're protecting the quarterback, and you find the quarterback. For I, mean,
0: I mean, like, like, look at Dallas. They had, a, they had a, got a special teams player who got, accused, who got falsely accused of being in a bank robbery, got proven innocent, and they cut him and banned him from the league, even though he was completely innocent, and it was a case of mistaken identity. And then you have Ezekiel Elliott, who beats the crap out of his girlfriend, and he only gets a few games, and he's welcome back just fine. The NFL has standards, you know, problems. And they've had forever.
2: Uh, I just... The,
1: the NFL itself has just been so out of touch with people.
0: The NFL's kind of trash, I mean, if, if that makes sense.
1: The NFL's organization's been trash. Yeah. Speaking of which, Al Davis versus the NFL is on tonight.
0: Oh, I need to watch that. I do, too. Is it, what is it on at 8? I need to get that. Thank you for telling me that, because I had forgotten. Um. All right, Minkley. Um, I'm going to go watch the PBE stream and see if my team can continue their hot streak. So let's lock out of this show.
1: Yeah, okay. So we'll do our plugins and everything. i I do jdsportscorner.wordpress.com to read. I've not done the Super Bowl writing. I've already made my pick to be the Buccaneers, and that's going to stand the way it is. Um, <laughs> Wesley and I, we are doing one more test run with our podcast, and then next week we're going to make things official. So we can, I'll promote that next week more so, but I'm just letting the audience know if they want to. Tune in and everything. And I do run the Sports Fixins Facebook page. Congratulations, Mike. We have over 100 likes on the page.
0: Woohoo! Yay! Now, if we only had that many listens. Woohoo! Dead. Let's um, 100 likes is great. Thank you. <laughs> but we
1: are at least in the triple digits for that. So that's something to be glad of. Mm-hmm. Mike, what plugins yes. do you have?
0: I have the No Marks Allowed podcast. We just did episode number 70. We talked about the Royal Rumble SmackDown, and I gave Raw a chance, something I haven't done in a long time because of my work schedule and because the product has been dog crap lately, and I probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, You can hear about my experience with giving Raw a chance um, this week on the No Marks Allowed podcast. Also, you can hear what we thought and what we said about uh, Bianca Belair and Edge winning the Royal Rumble and the various matches and Paul Heyman versus the Handcuffs. Um, uh, other things going on around me, I of course encourage you all to join the PBE by going to Pro Baseball Experience, uh, Googling that, and you'll wind up on the JSync server uh, or the JSync forum website. I uh, get Discord as well so you can interact with us here in the league. The PBE is a great fun. Create a player baseball experience and uh, i absolutely love the simulation league we use out, out of the park baseball 21 but don't worry you don't need the game you just need an internet browser to be in the pbe we're always looking for new fun active members and i would love to have you all on my on my Hepcats. so join the pbe which mainly you still need to do um so that's it for the plugs for me. Any final words, Minkley?
1: Yeah, I think just, uh, you know, stay safe, stay inside unless you got work and wear a goddamn fucking mask. So.
0: Yep, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. Oh, and um, for those of you that are in, I, and most of our listeners probably are, um, for those of you in and around, like, the upper Midwest, for the love of God, bundle up the next, like, five days.
1: Yeah, and buy a shovel or a snowplow.
0: Right, like do that, yeah, like do something to keep yourself safe from the unholy cold that's coming. Cause Jesus Christ! Like I, I go to work in the early morning, and it's not going to be fit for man nor beast. But I, I, I got, I went to my local, the auto care place I use. I went to the mechanic that I use, or I'm going to start using rather. I went to my preferred auto mechanic and I had him check out my battery, and it turns out I needed a new one, which I kind of suspected. So I got my new battery. I've, you know, I've got a windshield cover for the snow or the ice that may come, the the heavy frost. I have, I am preparing myself. I've got the, you know, like the head cover thing, but like not just the hat, but the actual like the thing you pull down over your face. I don't know what you call it um not a not a ski mask but like the faceless ski mask um but i've got that thing ready to go i've got a nice warm hat and gloves i've got water in my vehicle i've got snacks in there i am prepared for the hell that is about to come and i encourage you all to be too and i also encourage all of you to have a good morning good afternoon good evening and a good night and bye-bye everybody
2: and have a stroke.